Sorry about that. I cleared my throat. How unprofessional. That's one thing I love about doing this podcast is that, uh, much like my regular show that I do, I, I, I really don't worry about it being... Oh, that, that, was that a, a professional thing to do, Howard? I don't know anymore, Tim. I don't know. You know, what is a professional? You don't worry that the, uh, the producer's going to just slam a metal ruler down on your knuckles? No, not anymore. You know, it's like that line in uh, Breaking Bad, you know, when she's worried about who's going to call, and he says, I'm the one that calls, okay? All right? Anyway, I'm Howard. That's Tim. Ah, we got a lot to get through today. Welcome to Swing Thoughts, the uh, golf podcast for uh, super nerds like uh, Tim and I. Just like to break down some of the different aspects of golf. Today, we got a couple of, uh, you know, Tim uh, golf matches to talk about. And uh, I have a, you know, I have a, a couple of interesting, uh, well, things I want to throw at you, Tim, about... Uh, you know, the journey of golf and how, you know, a lot of us, I think you've said this before, we've talked about the craving of golf, the the wanting, the never quite achieving. Anyway, I want to talk some about some of that today. Uh, you look great, of course. Our sponsors, uh, Jonathan Wong, Apparel Inc. Talk to me. You're, you have a nice uh, polo shirt on from who, yes, who, who does? Is, is that a B-Dratty? No, this is a fairway in green and wow. it's a... Whale of a tail polo. Okay. You can see the little whales for those of you who are looking on YouTube. Um, and I'm also really proud to be sporting uh, a new pair of uh, shorts. I took delivery yesterday of, uh, of some shorts. And so these are a pair of Larson Tech shorts. Mm. And uh, I just love the, uh, the color. <laughs> Okay. Carbon Melage. Uh, I'm sorry. Who are, they, who are these shorts again? <laughs> <laughs> You're, uh, fairway and Green Larson Tech Shorts. Larson Tech it's, Shorts. It, it, this sounds more like a dessert. Larson. Carbon, what, what was the color again? Carbon. Carbon Melange. Oh, the Carbon Melange. So I think for people like you and me, they're gray. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I love it. Like, dig this color, man. Let me see these. This, oh, yeah. This color. Isn't that amazing? The, yeah, and the, that looks that really color, cool. That's just not merely, well, I don't know. That could be Looks purple. blue to me. Thank you. Okay, I'm go, we're going to go with purple. Or is but it the official, azure? But the official color is Baltic. Oh, I was close when I said it's here. Uh, Jonathan Wong Apparel offers golfers of all ages quality apparel from head to toe. Each brand delivers great quality and styling for all weather conditions. Uh, also offering great accessory lines that can be totally customized for your club and one that you will be proud to sell. JWApparelInc.com. And, of course, uh, all the way through the bag, a uh, golf spiritual leader and uh, Coach Tim. Uh, using TaylorMade. TaylorMade just announced that, uh, and we can, neither of us can get there yeah. on the 16th, but there's a, uh, coming up in a few days, there's a uh, launch of some new 790s, yo, and uh, yeah. some wedges as well. Uh, whether it's the TP5 golf ball, the Sim 2 irons, or the all-new Sim 2 driver, they're built differently and uh, you can take advantage of them. Experience the drives every golfer wants to hit and no golfer wants to follow. Visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca to learn more. And 
about the all-new Sim 2 family. I love those people. Yes. And, um, you know, I've made it kind of a habit to use uh, the TP uh, Picks ball. Have you? As kind of like my warm-up ball. Yes. And uh, they're great for uh, chipping around the practice screen and, you know, getting warmed up with the, with a flat stick. Um, I'm sorry. Yeah, with it's really that. become sorry, my, my I, go-to. <laughs> I'm sorry. With the what? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm a I'm a, a, a master of words, I've written with books the, and stuff. So instead of putter, I said flat stick. <laughs> oh man, and, 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 and that that grates you, doesn't it? Not a, not even. First of all, why don't you stop this whole background explanation? We know you were a writer. I just think it's funny. You know, <laughs> you don't often hear anyone who's not doing a broadcast calling it the flat stick. I, and I'm sorry. Uh, where I was trying to, I was desperate to think of a golf. <laughs> Herman Wind or um, Ben. Who was the guy on CBS for years? That was so good. The Englishman. Ben. Uh, God, I used to like him. Oh, until he uh, said something. Until he said something terrible. But, uh, yeah. but women and their. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that guy was. Yeah. The flat stick. No, it's, I, I'm not making. Listen, if we can't make fun with friends. Look at you. You get signed. Okay, I'm sorry. You can say flat <laughs> stick all you want. Uh, well, I'm not going to say, but I don't say golf your ball. Okay. Listen, let's, let's not get I, hung up on it. Our, oh, that's a good leave. Our, you know, friend, we get, we, our friendship can, can withstand you saying flat stick. Is it okay to say we're going golfing? All right, where do you stand on that? Okay, listen, man. Let's not get hung up on this, okay? It's like uh, it's, you know. I feel like I, I feel like I'm doing stand up, and I'm now having to come talk, explain to the audience member why I was kidding them. Let's get to you, though, Coach Tim. It's been a it's been a fascinating week. I've been following you and your exploits on the golf course last weekend. I, I actually. So we had we had done the podcast last Friday after we had hung out together on the Thursday. We had a bit of a fun little, well, not a little. It was one of the greatest days of the summer. Hung out with Timmy. We got to play some golf. We had a drink after non-alcoholic beverages, and um, and then you, you, and then, (laughs) and then you. uh, I'm sorry. Did you tipple a little ale uh, with your flats? Ben Wright. Ben Wright was ben the guy's Wright, name. Yes, thank you. And now here's yeah. O'Connor with the flat stick. Um, and then the Friday after our show last week when we recorded, Tim played in the Blue Springs Club Championship. Yes, I did. And uh, I took a lot of the uh, wonderful stuff I learned with uh, GSL there. Our spiritual um, leader. Things like... Um, you know, if if death, OB, a lot of trees are left aiming on the right side of the fairway. And yeah. a couple times, a couple times, I pull hooked the shit out of a drive yeah. and guys go, great shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> because you're just kind of on the left side and they think, well, you kind of maybe. You maybe really, he meant to do that. Maybe you you really drew that one, didn't you? <laughs> no, I pull hooked the shit out of it. Now what Tim's so referring like that, what, what Tim's referring to is you don't like you don't need to golf down the middle of the fairway to hit the middle of the fairway. Um, yeah, but you had three nice rounds. I mean, the first round, you know, when you told me what you shot, I know that wasn't you know you didn't have your best first round, but you hung in there after uh, opening and. Uh, I just want to get your thoughts overall how you felt you played for three days. You know, I think you played nicely. Yeah, I kind of did. I mean, I had a, I, th- I think I had an 
85 in there or something like that. Uh, I, for, I forget, but... Um, oh, an 84, yeah. So it was really up and down. It was Club C Golf. It was, you know, the... the Getting like weird things happening, like missing, like say a twelve inch putt. Oh my god! That only happens in a in a club C, and that <laughs> was, oh my gosh, it was so just that dumb thing that I tell people like, hey, don't do this. And for well, some no, let's reason, talk about that. You walked up to a, a tap it in, and what happened? Um, I missed it. Just left it. it. Was it had break in it? For gosh sakes. And I, I just, I didn't mark it. I just walked up. I kind of did the straddle thing of, so I didn't step on someone else's yeah. line. All that stuff. And um, I missed the putt. So, you know, it was just that kind of thing. And, and a, a couple shots where, you know, just hit a shot that was just out of character. You know, like a skull, you know, chip shot. Stuff like that. So... It just brought home to me that how we've talked innumerable times about the difference between tournament golf and casual golf mm-hmm. and how um, it was funny. I went into it thinking, oh, there's no problem. This is the kids club C. You know, I won the super senior in the geezer club C. This should just be a walk in the park. Nope. Because it doesn't matter whether you're playing with the kids or you were playing in a flight or wherever you were. It's still a tournament. Yeah. You know, and you have there the thing that uh, even if it's men's night, you know, at most clubs, men's night is like a golf tournament. You have to hand in your score. Your score gets posted. You have to putt everything out. Yep. For the most part. Although I've heard recently that some clubs don't do that, but our club and your uh-huh. club do. Yep. You know, and so, you know, whether you're thinking you can contend or not, there's a your body doesn't know the difference. You know, there's a tension level there because, you know, your yeah. score is going to get posted. Yeah. And also interesting too. I remember I, for, I think it was Saturday that um, first of all, par four, nice drive. And then I hit a pretty good approach to say about 20 feet. And um I gassed the putt about four feet by and went like, and it was like, what the hell? And then, and then, then the next one was a little bit downhill. So I cozied it down there. And I walked to the next tee and I'd been feeling really great all day. And I was standing on the next tee. And I had, and I, I, I knew I was angry. And it was like, okay, you got to let go of that. Got to let go of that. And, um, it's just that in that moment every once in a while that for me, what happens to me, and I I don't think it's dissimilar to most golfers, is there's kind of a momentary sort of unconsciousness or something in which I get more in my head about the moment rather than allowing my body to do this thing and just, just allowing things to happen. Because from time to time, I'll kind of put a, like a little hit on the ball, which I think was happened. On a, on, a, on a putt, you mean, or or yeah, your on a putt. yeah? So so you missed that four footer on the very first hole after a nice drive and an approach to twenty feet, and uh, it gives you a bit of an electrical, yep, kind of a zzz, not, yeah yeah. It's not but, great. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that was maybe that's your your feeling. Not electrical. Mine was just a a burning like really, but an upset. It, it, it upset yeah. your yeah. Okay, so you're feeling what you're feeling like really. Yeah, I can't three putt. Well, especially like from twenty feet, so caught in a story, right? Yeah. 
you know, here I am, blah, 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 you know, <clears throat> all this kind of stuff. And But what I was uh, pleased about was that by the time it came time for me to hit my tee shot on two, it was gone. I was able to let it go. Okay. Um, can we I just pause? Because I'm, I think it's because I'm enlightened. Yeah, you are. You're... You know, I'm got to be careful with I, what I say to you because I don't want a repeat incident of earlier in the podcast. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so let's just stop now and uh, yes. let's let's analyze this like it's not mm. you. Okay, so let's take you out of this equation, and uh, I can tell you how I what my reaction to what you've said and i think this is informative to all golfers of all levels and that's this because again i preface this by saying and if you've never heard the show before i'm the i was the worst uh egregious uh uh pouty sucky ass terrible to play with hated myself hated golf uh worst golfer i've ever met was me um and through trial and many errors, over and over again, I tried to figure out why those things used to make me so mad. But I want to rewind the tape because let's get back to the green. You've got a 20-foot putt and you're feeling good and you hit it a little hard. You know, if you were playing ping pong with me and you hit it, you went to smash it over the net and, and you missed you would just get the ball and, and serve again. You wouldn't have any, it wouldn't be any like, oh, I suck at ping pong. Mm-hmm. I, I just put that in there because when we're playing most sports, you and I and other people, we, we don't take it as, as personally, totally. you know, it's not a personal thing. But when that happened on that first hole Saturday, it, it was a personal like, oh, come on, Tim, that kind of feeling, right? Totally. The, the problem is, and this is, again, I'm not blaming you or using just saying using this as an example the problem is the four footer coming back and and i've played a lot of tournament golf as you know and and those things can happen it can it's it's almost like you're just looking for a soft tap in you don't want to you just want to get the round going and now you've got a four foot putt but as i've said to you and others before when you go to the first hole, it's game on. Not to be cliche, but the game is on. You're in the game now. And, it's, and, and you know, sometimes it can be a few holes before that shows up. And sometimes it's the first hole. The secret is, I think, in my humble opinion, is on the four-footer. That's where you got to go back and go, okay. This four-footer has the same meaning as that tee shot, as the next shot on the par three. They all have the similar meaning, so I'm going to give it similar attention. Because mm-hmm. I can almost guarantee that the, the, the burn started when you hit it past the hole. Because that didn't meet the expectations of having to just cozy it up there and tap it in. And I think for a lot of people... We waste a lot of shots, myself included at times, where we don't give the next putt after the one that was less than what we wanted. Do you know what I mean? We don't give it the same attention. I guarantee you if that four-footer was for a birdie and that was where you hit your second shot, you would go through your whole routine. But I, I promise you the routine you gave that four-footer was a, about a half the time that you gave that you would have given it if it was for a birdie. Do you know what I'm trying to get at? Yeah, but I don't agree with you at all. Okay. Um, I knew Talk what it to was, me. No, I knew what it was about. I, I have a, 
I've got a really good routine for putting, and it got my full attention. Um, I think what was interesting, so yeah, maybe I put a bit of a hit on it, but I was talking to someone else about this very thing, and they said, well, Tim, that was your very first putt on the golf course, and the greens, like for many club C's, were rolled cut a little bit shorter so they were faster faster so than the putting that, ring yeah yeah exactly so so they said well maybe it was none of what you talked about maybe you didn't put a hit on it maybe it was not a you know you didn't go unconscious it was just like oh this is the speed of the greens today and this is my first experience of it because for the rest of the day i putted really really well that was it was that was my only incident so what i'm what intrigued me about this is that i got angry and i was kind of descending into a bit of a a bit of a story that oh tim you do this stuff and instead of okay what are the what are sort of the the other options for for looking at this and the other option was well the green's faster than you're used to. No, exactly. And you can past. But that's one thing. See, we all do this. We default to a way of uh, a behavior. Like there's a trigger and then there's a behavior. And historically for me, the trigger is something happens and then I can default into a story and see where I'm lacking in something. And that's just a story. And so I was able to... Later, you know, after some reflection, see that from time to time I get caught in a story. And to and when I'm able to be aware that there's a story, then I can go, oh, wait a sec. Let, let that go, for God's sake. Yeah, for sure. Oh, well, no, so I I, I'm glad happened. I'm glad I'm wrong, because, but I still think it's informative uh, because a lot of people do that. Their first pot or their chip isn't what they want. Yep. And, and maybe this wasn't the case for you, but I guarantee you that's that my version of what happened rings true for a lot of people because oh, I see it. it I see the lack of attention that yep. people give follow up putts. Part of it is self-consciousness because they're like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, everyone was waiting for me to putt. Well, guess what? Let them wait for you to putt again because it's the rushing that three and four footer that went short that went you did you know that didn't you didn't make a very good putt or whatever but a lot of people rush that and those are strokes that they don't conserve correct conserve oh my gosh we are we've used egregious flat stick all kinds of good words today yeah Um, those are all the same (laughs) (laughs) um but so Um, so let's go on with the round so you had a nice round on saturday and you got yourself back into contention and i you i sent you a note you were only four back yeah i was four back going into going uh, into Sunday. sunday yeah so um yeah i was playing with you know it was it was Kind of, I was kind of jacked up to be playing in the final group in A flight with uh, Pete Shoup and Mark Schmidt, and Pete was the leader, and I had a pretty nice front. I was, I shot thirty nine on the front. He shot uh, Pete shot forty, so now it was three back. There you go. Now and it's on. It was just I just played really solid golf. Um, That's a very good front nine there. You know, you got yeah, the eighth you. hole, which is tough, and yeah. you know that part the second hole is a tough par three and oh yeah i mean i was talking with the guy i played my match yesterday we're just saying like it is such a tough golf course to score on yeah it can be so many of the you know just like you know two eight ten 
and 12. They're just, oh, they're penal. I mean, they're, they're, they don't give you no place to, to miss. But anyways, the, I don't want to lose the, the, the thread here. But um, so I just was playing some really good golf, um, putting well. I don't think I made any bird. Yeah, maybe one birdie, but um, just good, you know, fairways, greens, etc. And <laughs> he just what you didn't see on the podcast is he pulled, he took he tugged at his fairway and green golf shirt. Exactly. <laughs> so okay, so here's where so it was kind of like okay, okay, I'm within three. This is happening. This is this is fun. So I had the honor on the tenth tee. And uh, it's kind of a tight driving hole. But um, anyways. And by the way, famously, we've said that 10th tee or that 10th hole at Blue, at Blue Springs is, uh, you know, you would take a bogey there most of the time you're playing that hole. 100%. So hit my, got my trusty forward out <clears throat> and just launched that sucker high right into the trees. Gonzo. Oh, my God. And like, Really? And it was like, where did that swing come from? And the only thing, and then I made a, um, so I made a double there. Pete did too, so I didn't lose anything. Um, so you then, had to re-tee or was that hazard over there on the right? There's, it's a red stake. Yeah, okay. So, so it's still pretty good. Double, double with a penalty shot. That's all you can do, man. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and then on 12, that just, oh, that tee shot has got my number right now. It's just ah, uh, uh, that that left of left shot comes out there. Mm. So it's this is interesting. I think you might find this cool. So I had decided that you know what, just hit your hybrid off the tee, and this was a, a good learning opportunity for for Tim. <laughs> just keep your face um, close to that. Yeah, yeah. The 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 microphone. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, I went, you know, I'm playing really well. So, yeah, let's hit the forward. Yeah. No, left. Unfortunately, I found it and I made a bogey. But uh, it was like, why did you not keep the commitment that you that you made to yourself? So that was interesting. But um, but that the thing that to me, there's just an, an interesting thing that I'm trying to understand more about myself is around being unconscious when around certain shots. And I think what I'm coming down to understand is that on some shots, I just where there's like, eh, I, I tense up and I just don't allow my body just to, to move and, and do what it needs to do. And again, I think part of that is that um, my default is to be a thinking person and I disconnect and disassociate from my body. So I'm not aware that perhaps I got a death grip going or yeah. I'm rushing my swing. If I can, may I come in and uh, with another I'm, comment at, at the risk of being rebuked again? Um, here's a great thing that I. God, we're sensitive today. Can I? Uh, well, only you are. Um, can I tell you what I did on when I have a hole? And there's and it happened at the national, and it happens at Glen Karen. And 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 one of the things that I've learned to do, and not just through you know what, but 
What I would say is that hole, the 12th hole that you're talking about, it's a par five. It's got a kind of a tight tee shot. The green's ridiculous. And again, you know, it's not super long. You could theoretically hit that green in two. But the reason that I, I like the idea you teed off with a hybrid is because you, it, it's, it's oh, a I fun, didn't. I hit a forward. A forward. I, but I'm saying you, you didn't tee off with less than driver. So what I've learned to do, and I think this is informative for people that, are, that have, we all have holes on our course and other courses that just don't fit our eye. In fact, I think we talked about this last week or the week before. So what I do is I go on Google Earth. It's the simplest thing. Just find your golf course on Google Earth and go to that hole. Because I I had a similar thing. And about a a month and a half ago, I was talking with Lou Stagner from uh, Decade. I'm not going to play the sound effect. But I said to him, I have a hole at Glen Karen that... I'm not really sure it fits my eye. Whenever I get up there, I said to him, I'm not, I'm not sure where to aim. And so mm-hmm. what we did is we looked at the hole. We found out where there was 45 or 50 yards across, drew a straight line in the middle of that. And he said, just aim there every day because your pull hook won't get you in trouble. A block shot, you'll still be in play. And so what it's done, and I invite you to do the same on that hole, is it's giving me a clear picture when I'm on the tee of what I'm trying to do. Because as you know from being a mental performance coach, the brain in the absence of direction yep. and a strategy will default to, as you just described very nicely, when you're not conscious, conscious, we don't, often feel how tight we're holding the the club so now translate that to ball positions weird aim is probably off but if we did this if we if we got that hole and i said timmer this is your aim aim down and and one of the things we did talk about when you and i played together is that if people knew how far away from trouble i'm aiming they wouldn't believe it but i'm just giving myself lots of room Especially, you know, because that left shot shows up with me and a lot of good players as well. So that if it shows up, I'm still going to be fine. So I, I promise you in that moment on a hole that, you know, you've said to me a few times, it gives you trouble because of the trouble on the left hand side. When I played it a few weeks ago with my brother, I blocked my drive. I, I, we both blocked. I hit it way right, but I could still play it and lay mm-hmm. up. And I, I made a, a nice layup and I got on the green and whatever. My point to you is part of being unconscious comes from really not having a, a clear picture to tell the brain. Don't forget, guy, this is where we're aiming it. Yep. No, totally. You know, I think also now before I went on my match yesterday, we had a, you were kind enough to call me and it was kind of about scheduling, but you also added a little uh, GSL uh, wisdom, (laughs) and it was around uh, breathing. Around breathing, exactly. I'd like to talk about that a little bit, but the the thing that that happens again, I think what happens is is to me, and I'm becoming more aware of it, is, is that when I'm unconscious that I'm tight, the tendency is to just whip that club backwards so fast and not to have any my sense of timing and balance everything goes out the window and that's the ten that's when i tend to hit it left so uh, i'm becoming so yesterday in my match i did this 
little process that the uh, the GSL was kind enough to uh, lay out for me. In terms of just as before I took the ball, the, the club back, I just exhale, exhaled slowly. And I was just felt the club head kind of just go back slowly. And, and, and the, the, what I cottoned on to, a thing that works for me, I allow myself to just sort of gather myself. That's right. That's the, that's the feeling. It feels like a gathering rather than I'm going to take the thing back low and slow. No. Mm-hmm. And I just felt it. And that helped hugely yesterday in my match. I hit the ball. My ball striking was really good yesterday. And what Timmy's so, talking about, I, I, I just said to him, you know, one of the things that I do, especially when I'm nervous, but it's part of my routine, is I, I before I approach the ball, I, I exhale. But unconsciously now, I've been doing it so long that I just let a little air out before I take it back. And it's a funny little thing. It's just a small little, a little bit of an exhalation. Because what that does is it just starts off the club, as you said, it's a great phrase. It, it, the, the club gathers speed and momentum as opposed to, you know, when you set it into motion. Under pressure, this is what we're talking about, is under pressure, all kinds of stuff show up that mm-hmm. don't normally show up when you're just playing with your buddies. Um, but it's a nice way to let your body kind of relax just for a second before you bring some effort to it. I was thinking about this, um, about the breathing thing, about the exhalation. Um, I really should, uh, I really want to learn more about this. So, and I can never keep it straight, but there's the sympathetic and parasympathetic system. And I get it. I just get confused. I feel like I should know this, but um, when we inhale, there is the body is has a tendency to tighten up a bit or get prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we exhale, we're more we're just more relaxed. Um, and uh, like I said, I, I think I'm going to take it on to learn more about this so we can expand on it maybe next podcast. Well, the sympathetic nervous system is in, is involved in preparing the body for stress-related activities. The parasympathetic nervous system is associated with returning the body to routine. So breathing go. stimulates the parasympathetic uh, nervous system to relax. There you go. Thank you, so, googly. Thank you, Dr. Yes, Google. Yes, the the modern world, we can just get so much information at our fingertips. Um, Yeah, so that helps hugely. And I think that that's because what I'm finding is that with my own game and I think, you know, for our good listeners, there's so much to learn from our own experience. And one of the the pieces I came out of uh, the Club C was so Pete Shoop. So tell us uh, how you ended last time at the club because you switched back from the club C to your match. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. there's well, just so I ended much. Up, I ended up runner up, and uh, it, like, you ended up coming in second to the Shoop, Mister Shoop. Congratulations, yeah, Shoopy. Yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, he was so, feeling some heat too. Oh yeah, you could. He was <laughs> on the seventeenth and eighteenth tee. You could see him just kind of. He took this big deep breath and rolled. And looked at me and rolled his eyes. Yeah. So we were doing our our best to uh, best to help him, but um, yeah. So I finished runner up. So that was that was nice. But what I was the take the takeaway for me that one of the key ones was that so Pete is a. Um, the longest club he'll hit off a tee is a five wood. And he always um, 
really comes down. He takes a divot with his five wood off okay. a tee and everything, and he just really compresses the ball. And he has a, just a really nice, like, fast athletic swing. And he hits everything's like a low kind of stinger. Nice. And one of the things that uh, just came home so to me. So do you guys call that the Shoop Stinger there in Blue Springs? <laughs> uh, don't know. But you I, should. I call it. I'm going to start calling it the Shoop Stinger anyway. Uh, so anyways, it was a. It, so the thing that I came away with was how that's just his swing. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't give a damn about whether it matches any kind of model swing he sees on YouTube or on Instagram. And. I've really come to understand that, uh, as Adam Young talked about last week, most players who really achieve in this game swing on instinct. You know, and you see that they develop their own swings. You know, obviously, Jim Furyk, the best example of that. Colin yeah. Montgomery. Um, you know, you got Dustin Johnson with, uh, you know, at the top, the bowed wrist at the top. You don't, No one teaches you that. That's something you just develop on your own. And that becomes part of your game. And that, to me, is just, that's a key learning piece for people. So that what I'm coming back to, to our listeners, and particularly for myself, is that pay attention to your own experience and what's going on and how we learn from that versus I'm doing this wrong, so thus, yeah. oh yeah, a lesson can help sometimes, uh, for sure, but I just really think we learn more from our own experience. And I and I, I agree. I think part of the reason that that doesn't happen for a lot of people is because, you know, uh, as we've said, you know, six years ago, five years ago, four, three, two, and that that there's a culture in golf that I'm doing it wrong. I need to find somebody that will teach me to do it right, and then I'm going to spend the rest of my life wondering if I'm doing it the way that person said, and, and then, okay, I don't want to do that, because that seems like it's going to take a lot of work, so I go to find somebody else that will tell me what yep. to do, and then, you know, one of the frustrations, many frustrations, but one of the key ones for golfers is the frustration, of what, it's sort of the antithesis of what you just said, it's the frustration of not doing it right. Correct. 100%. And, and um, if I may just uh, pivot with you for a second, part of the frustration of not doing it right in, in my, as I've said a few weeks ago, in, in Pathways to Par, one of the tenants is the triad. This is the GSL yeah. program to come. And you know what? Mock it if you want, Tim, but one day. And this is no mocking. One day. This is no mocking. One day, all people will know of the Pathways to Par. But in, in the seminar, Pathways to Par, we talk about the triad of golf, which is skills, scoring, and strategy. And I had this conversation with some people yesterday. I got joined up with some people at my club that I, I was an amazing day that I don't normally play with. And it was just a beautiful afternoon. And, and one of them was a keener asking me questions, knew about our podcast. And by the way, before we're done, I've got a, a little email or a, a text to read from somebody who also listens to our podcast. Anyway, but, but part of the problem with always searching for the right way to do it to your point about not trusting your own swing like the shoot man is and I, I explained this to somebody yesterday I used to be so wound up in my mechanics wanting to look good have the perfect swing do it yep. the absolute most correct way to, to I, and I thought I thought that was part of the pathways to par the problem with being upset frustrated whatever I was and we are 
with our swing mechanics is that on the way to the next shot, all I used to think is, why does golf hate me? Remember, I, used to, I say that all the time. Oh, I don't yeah, say it yeah, anymore. Yeah. Why does golf hate me? Why can I never get this right? How many more golf balls do I have to hit? Why do I always do this? Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. All the way to the shot. And what that does is it keeps you in the skills category in this triad of skill scoring and our skill strategy and scoring. The thing about the game, the game requires that you are present on that next shot because strategy is now going to be needed for a recovery or where are you going to hit this next one or any number of things that have nothing to do with why you slightly pull hooked that shot or why was the face open or why do you always hit it left on the 12th hole? And I really believe this, that the, the secret, if there is a secret, is the sooner you understand that your skills are variable, just like everything else in life, but the strategy that you bring to the game every day can be consistent. Better strategy, by the way, why I put scoring last is this. Because, and again, you know, <laughs> decade, decade. But, you know, I, I've been now heading down this path with Henrik, my coach, Paul, for a long time and it's very aligned with decade and the, and the path is this if you miss it in the right spot the correct spot what that does and they have all kinds of statistics uh, Scott Fawcett and Lou Stagner about this but you know you hear on TV say oh you know you don't want to short side yourself but the reason you don't I know it's maybe going to seem obvious but if four or five or six or seven or whatever number of times around you miss the green the, the chances of it getting you know, in the hole in, in a couple of shots from from the correct side, it actually makes your short game better. Because if I put yeah. you, you know, if I put you on the wrong side of the hole with a bunker, all that stuff, you have no chance of getting it up and down. But given the option of having a clear shot 12 or 15 yards to the hole, even the average player, their short game stats will improve. So... And I didn't understand that, man. I, I, I sometimes, I don't just get emotional, but I sometimes think to myself, wow, how much time did I waste in my life searching for the answer in the wrong spot? And, and it gives me pause, Mr. O'Connor, uh, not only as a golfer, but as a guy. Sometimes I think, God damn it, man. I wasted a shit ton of time. Yeah, focusing well, on the wrong things. Oh, totally. But I think that's <laughs> this is cool stuff because I just think this is part of also getting into your elder years. Absolutely, no, absolutely. <laughs> of, of learning through things, and, and and that's why you know in 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 many cultures uh, they really respect their uh, elders are respected because of the wisdom they bring. Unfortunately, in our culture, uh, everything's about. You know, you know, youth and whatnot, and we really dispense with, uh, with with what experience teaches us, which comes back to the, my point about listen to your own experience and, and what's actually happening, because the tendency is we get lost in thought, and our culture says basically you're broken, you need fixing, and if you take this course or buy this product or yeah. buy this car, suddenly you'll do everything right and you'll be happy, and it's it's it's. It's never that. It's a it's a it's a promise that never delivers. That you achieve this result, you'll be happy. 
No, never happens. Um, yeah, glimpses of. <laughs> uh, but if I may joy. jump in, that what yeah. you just described in humanity is why that that uh, cliche exists about. That's why you focus on the process. The journey is the thing, not the destination. And, totally. and and the thing is, I think until we get a little older, we don't realize it because we're so destination oriented in our 20s 30s and 40s you know you get to our age and you're like oh okay i really wish i'd have been more a journey oriented because i don't have as much journey left as i used to and maybe it's a maybe it's all those things coming together but i left the golf course yesterday and i and i was talking to my buddy uh henrik just when we we came on the uh before the podcast this morning he, he was catching me up about a nice round he had yesterday, and he asked me how my round yes, went yesterday, and I said, you know what? I left the course, I use this term, bewildered. And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, I was going home yesterday, and I'm wondering, like, how did I get here? Like, how did I arrive at this destination now? Because I've been so, I've tried so hard for so long, but it's almost like, you know, in the last three or four years of this podcast and then and working on my game and working, working on my game, not my swing, that mm-hmm. all of a sudden, it's like, I, I love this phrase, you know, it, it happens slowly and then all at once. You know, like I, I would tell you, and not to, just to inform you that uh, in the last, in seven days since we last saw each other, you know, the day after I played with you in our little practice round, I shot 69. The next day, I shot 74 in a competition. Then I shot... I shot... Set, uh, so, the, the, the night before we played, I shot 74 in men's night. 69 after we played. 74 in a competition on Saturday. Men's night, I shot 72. And then yesterday, I shot 71. And it's not like I'm just on a good streak. It's If you look at my handicap history, it's just gone down incrementally a little bit at a time and then I all of a sudden oh okay so now I'm a scratch golfer and, and I know you used to say that well he was close or you'd introduce me to people say he was, he's a scratch but I really wasn't I was somebody that could dabble in it but I wasn't consistently shooting those numbers and I can tell you in all of those rounds I described I hit some great shots I hit some horrible shots the other night on men's night I had three holes to go and I was two under par <laughs> I was uh yeah. I, you know, and the guys I were I was playing with after they were whispering to each other, "Are we on sixty nine watch?" And um, <laughs> and, and you know, I had a round go. I was three under after I birdied three of the first six holes, and there I was deep in the back nine, and I had three holes to go, and uh, I, I pull hooked an eight iron out over the golf course. I just hit a bad shot at the wrong time, bad strategy, wrong wrong pin to go after, and I did it. And as soon as I hit it, I was like, "You dummy." Made a double bogey, finished par, par, and shot 72. I guess what I'm trying to say is that because I was so focused on the destination for so long, I, I, wasn't, I was never going to get there because, you know, because as I said, you know, I would miss that. I, I, wouldn't, I would make a bad shot and only think all the way down the fairway, why can't I ever get this right? Cotton story. Cotton a story. And so I changed the story is the point of the story. Yeah. Well, I think part of your story is, uh, this is my interpretation, but having, you know, talked to you <laughs> a lot, is that I think the key, one of the key things is that, and I think this is really um, a common experience for golfers and everyone in other parts of life, 
so much of what you were looking for in terms of this seeking mastery was outside of yourself. You know, I have to swing this certain way, like you said, and, and, and get this skill and get this down and learn this thing that this guru is talking about. Whereas what you didn't look at was the goal that you already had. And because like your swing when we played doesn't look any different than no, I know. two or three years ago. It's you still strike the ball. You still you still make the same sound when you putt. You know the same nice little draw, soft draw, ball flight. So I'm thinking that would it be fair to say that you have really come to learn how to draw on sort of more of your own resources, the stuff you already have from your own experience, and you've layered in this learning about um, just how to score and how to play the game better. Uh, all of that and, and more. I was just going to read you uh, something I, uh, I sent out last night on the golf Twitter. I said, I'm continually stunned by how misguided most golfers, myself included, are about where scoring actually come fr- comes from. The longer you think the answer lies in the swing, the further you get from the truth of it. Ooh. And then I, then I came up with this, which I really think is, you know, I think it's... It really sums it up for me. I said, golf's like blackjack. Some people get that it, it's a game of strategy and score converse, conservation. And some people are trying to get better by working on how, on how they handle the cards. Yep. Totally. And everyone, yeah. and myself included, all, all golfers think it's how you handle the cards. That gets you the score and what you miss by doing that, because, yeah, you don't all you need to learn in blackjack is you don't want him to see your cards. So that's it. After that, it's all about strategy and and playing the game. And I can tell you, I've been spending my entire life learning how to shuffle and handle the cards so I would look good doing it. And I can tell you just very quickly. So the round of 72, I hit. I don't know, 14 or 15 greens. At one point, I made three birdies in a row. I was really rolling along pretty good there for a second. And I'll be honest, I, I, got, I got a little bit in, in front of myself. I was thinking, this is cool. Here I am again. I'm going to shoot in the 60s, blah, blah. And I didn't, but I wasn't disappointed. I was just like, okay, there's a lesson learned. So, And then yesterday, this is absolutely the truth. I only hit 10 greens and shot one under par because on the greens I missed, except for a couple of them, you know, I was like... I didn't worry that I hit it in a bunker. I was like, oh, I'm in a bunker now. And rather than, you know, I know my, I know myself, rather than try and get it close, I pick a spot where I'm going to go, well, I'll be happy if I can dump it out to there. And then I'll take my six and 10 and eight footer. And you know what? I sank a lot of eight and nine footers for par yesterday. Sweet. And, and really when it comes down to it, it's how you, it's not that people go, I don't like being in the bunker. It's that they don't know what's expected of them. And if you're, what do you mean by that? Well, what do you mean by that? Very simply. And again, I don't want to decade the shit out of it, but if you know from, you know, and that's why one of the guys asked me yesterday, why are you counting off? What are you counting off there? I said, I'm counting off how many yards you walk the green when When I walk walk everything. Yeah. So I walk, I'm in the bunker and I sort of pace off how many yards it is. So I write it down. Because I know at 12 yards on the PGA Tour, if they get it, their average proximity to the hole is around, you know, eight or nine feet. So here's Howie Glassman from Moose Jaw. (laughs) I'm not on the PGA Tour. So I know that my job is just to dump it out of the bunker. And if I get it anywhere between 10 and 10 feet it in, I think I'm a tour player. 
And what that does, and then when I say most people don't know what's expected of them, they're in the bunker. And like all, you know, I tried to explain this to this guy yesterday. The reason we get a little nervy around the greens is because from 500 yards, we're just swinging our golf swing. But as we Mm -hmm. get closer, our tension level goes up because we think we're supposed to get it in the hole right away. So if you're in a bunker this weekend, just get out. (laughs) You know, that's all that's expected of you. Don't get it's like. Looks like you hit it in the trees. Chip out. Chip out. And, and most people listening have a rudimentary idea how to hit a bunker shot. If you don't, here's a quick tip. Watch your club hit the sand. Um, but other than that, if, if your expectations are to just get it out, man, it's a different world. You know, and if you have a difficult chip, you don't necessarily have to go for the hole. Just get it on the green. That's yeah. your job. And so I get, I get what you mean about expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I mean. You, you, most people don't really understand what's expected of you. You know, I'm going to give you one last example playing with a really nice golfer yesterday. I think in the end he shot, you know, 81 or 82. Very good player. But we're on a very difficult par four. He's 100. You know what I'm going to say? He's 195 yards from the green. It's two scotch block. And there's bunkers at 40 yards short. And there's bunkers at the green side. There's two bunkers that are both around 40 to 60 yards short. And I said to him, I, I, so he, I'm looking at him hitting. And he's like, it's a tough shot. It's 195. Yeah. And of course, he hits it in one bunker. And then he hits it in another bunker. Then he hits that one over the green. Then he chips on and he makes seven. And by this point, we'd played enough. And I just said, you know, um, I said, here's the question I'd have for you. Why the four iron? He goes, well, because I feel like I can hit a four iron, you know, close to 200 yards. I go, you absolutely can I said, but in that case, there's so much that can go wrong from 200 yards. I said, you know, if you really wanted to score lower, you know, maybe lay up. He didn't seem to understand what I mean. I said, yeah, take a nine iron, lay up short of that 60 yard bunker, get your next one on the green. And now you walk away with a bogey on the number two handicap hole, by the way. And that bogey, as we've said, that isn't a real bogey. That's like a statistical par for most people. Totally. But seven, if I may use the, uh, is a mind fucker. Totally. It doesn't feel good to make a seven. Most people don't. No. Anyway. Is it, would, would, what you're describing there about, you know, rather than taking the forearm, taking a very difficult shot and giving yourself a chance at a soft bogey or maybe make par. Yep. Is that what Doolin refers to as score farming? That's exactly what score farming is. That's a, uh, it's a Doolin thing. It's a decade thing. It's saying to yourself, and we talked a little bit, I said, once you establish, again, this is part of the Pathways to Par, once we establish the truth of it is, which is, and is so true of golfers, we're, if you're playing to score lower, or no, I shouldn't say it that way. If you're playing to score the lowest you can on every hole, then when you find yourself in that situation, you won't need us there. You'll go, oh, there's a lot of... Tr- I, and I, I said, here's another way you could have looked at it. I said, how far do you hit your hybrid? He goes, I don't know, 210, 215. I said, well, if I was caddying for you and you really wanted to go for the green, then take too much club. Yeah, Take totally. the 215 club. And again, he looked at me like he'd never thought of that before. I said, because then if you miss it, at least it takes those... 60 yard from the green bunkers out of play, which for most of us is just death. <laughs> you know, yeah, oh, that's, totally. that's, that's the hole is over. Yeah. Um, and so his seven, I said, when you go home tonight, I said, I don't want you to think about 
how much better five is than seven. <laughs> I said because yeah. it's way better. And and that's all I have to say about that. That if you're a, if you're if you stand, if you're in your heart and you stand for lowing, having the lower low. Listen, I had a situation yesterday in a round of, of golf, and I was kind of cruising along. I was one under for the first five or six holes, and I made a bogey, then I made a par, then I made another bogey. And here's that bogey I made. I I blocked it right on a par three. I was on a bit of an upslope, but I was a, a near pin right over a bunker, just as I've described. And yeah, theoretically, I have the skill set to hit a flop shot and get it, you know, within five or eight feet. But you know what? Yesterday I said to myself, but that's not the truth of it. The truth of it is I could also hit it in this bunker, chunk it, skull it. So I thought, you know what, Howard? It's a fun day. Just, you know, I, I, I basically just hit a pitch shot. It ended up 30 feet from the hole. And then I two putted and I made a bogey because you know what? As my buddy Paul says, four is not a bad score on any hole. Even no, if no. even even if that hole's a par three, absolutely you can you can roll on, good buddy. From that, that's for sure. Um, hmm. kind of lost the thread on, on that's that. All right. But that, but that is, um, you know, as I said to you, thinking like, oh, I know where it is. Um, so many times as golfers. I thought, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. Yes. You know, I can hit a four iron this far. Yep. And th- so that's what I'm supposed to do. And because we're so kind of caught up in this culture, of this is the way you do it, that we don't understand that there's options and to do things differently. And yep. I think sometimes it's around particularly guys being worried how they're going to be judged. What do you mean you're not going for it? Um, I didn't come to lay. I didn't pay all this money to lay up. Exactly. Great. But there's we do have there, there's options and that's kind of a, a, maybe that's a way to come back to that piece of of you know, play your game. Mm-hmm. You know, play the shoot Peter the Pete Shoopy way of like he's got his way to swing and you've got your way to play and and rely on your own uh, uh, what you what you've got. And this is there's a there's a great story. I guess you could call it a legend, maybe parable, whatever of of the musk deer. And uh, at one point, uh, gather around children for this little story. Uh, (laughs) This musk deer just smelled this amazing smell. He smelled it just a couple times and he wondered, where did this come from? So he went on a journey around the world, you know, climbed the, 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 the tallest mountains to find it in the, in the deserts and whatnot. And he, he could never find it. And then, uh, as he got older, and he he uh, he had this amazing rack of antlers, and he he because he was older now, he lost his balance, and as he fell, the the um, the antler uh, punctured uh, his side, and there was the smell. <laughs> there was that smell he'd been looking for. So the metaphor is is that we've already got amazing gold within us but we spend all our time looking outside of ourselves and we discount our own you know our own gold i'm and sorry so, yeah i know i get the. I, I thought the i thought you were heading for and then the smell was his own asshole but that's that's just me <laughs> he's like uh what was that smell and it was him farting but that's because i'm immature no <laughs> I, I i i'm sorry i'm just having a little fun i i get that's, it that's okay that's totally good to have fun because yes i know that 
Um, I know. But again, that is, uh, that's a great metaphor for most of the stuff that we're looking for in our lives in golf. And we've already got it. Absolutely. But we discount it and we don't even pay attention to it because we're naturally thinking our brain is wired to keep us alive. So it's usually going on the, all this negative. Oh, shit. I don't want this. I don't want to hit it here. I don't want to do that. So it comes up with all these solutions and fixes. And we just get caught in a spiral of of uh, usually fear driven thinking. And well, I, I like what you say about most people. And again, I get it. We all, most people who have been golfing for as long as we all have, and most people listening have played quite a bit of golf. We've all ha- we've all got the shots you need. If within you, sorry, while well, you're still on the moose smelled his own asshole. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I think it's a better parable myself, but um, <laughs> it's when I said to that guy yesterday, I said, you know, you didn't. I said that triple bogey has nothing to do with how you swing a golf club. What it has to do is being open. And I love what you said about being open to other possibilities of how the game is played. Exactly, and 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 the last uh, section of this, I just want to mention a, a friend of my older brother's who has started listening to our show. His name is uh, Brendan McCormick, and he's an avid player. And uh, he had his he had his personal best. He's been listening. Lovely. He's been listening to our golf podcast and and employing some of the decade stuff. He says uh, posted a uh, uh, seventy nine yesterday. It was a twelve over on a, on a par sixty seven, but. He said, um, uh, he says, I, I based uh, my approach to the game a little bit on my understanding of the methodology of decade. That coupled with many of the ideas and approaches I've lifted from swing thoughts. The biggest noticeable difference to the round was I was genuinely smiling and enjoying myself knowing that there is no such thing as, as good or bad shots, just golf shots. And then he said, when does the Pathways to Par seminar open? Um but I, I mean, I love that he sent us a note, and and I like that. Yeah. Obviously, it's gratifying knowing that some of this drivel that we're spewing has a, a bit of an effect. But I can tell you that most people don't consider on any given hole the many options there are to play that hole. You know, even, you know, and that's why again, I, I one of the things I've learned from Fawcett and, and Stagner. Um, this go around with decade. I mean, I really think I I absorbed a lot of it in the seminar four years ago. But remember, I've also had a guy coaching me in mm-hmm. this method every day I play for five or six years. I mean, he you know he's trying to he's been hammering into my head that page one, as he calls it, is the golf swing. And he said, "Sorry, this is Henrik." Henrik. One of the things yeah. he said to me is, "We got to get you off page one." And I never understood what he meant because he would mm. say to me, you, "He said he said you keep going back to page one, and I keep pulling you off it." Because he said the same thing. You have enough golf swing to play scratch golf. And I didn't believe him. I thought, no, Paul, I got to go see all these guys because I have to be really good. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. And it, by the way, it doesn't mean like, you know, I, I go to the range. I put my alignment sticks down. I check my alignment. I was working on some drills this week on the range. But that's not what I do on the golf course. The point he said to me was... Page two and three is where the game is played. That's where you find out that if there's trouble left, 
you don't you you can golf as far right as you want and as you just said you don't have to hit driver on that par five but every guy listening that's a par five i gotta go green and two well good luck with that you know exactly you know, I told these guys a story about because we were playing our, our golf course yesterday and they asked me about the club championship. And I said, you know, the back tees for me, some of those par fives, I laid up off the tee. Yeah, because I because I've made a personal commitment to scoring as low as I can on every hole. I don't care if you think I'm stupid for hitting a three wood or a hybrid off of tee in a par five. I don't care because I know that there's a place where I might make a birdie, but I really want to make a par. I don't want to have to chip out of that bunker in the middle of the fairway. I just don't. You know, it doesn't mean I never do, but it just it means that mostly I don't want, I don't want to do it. Yeah. Um gosh, I was thinking about um what Adam Young was talking about last week. Um about how we pay so much attention about trying to do it right that we miss what's out there and the object of golf is to send this little white thing to a target. So we need to take and consider what's actually out there. And so many golfers, like me included, um, we get, it's so easy to be almost like tempted. <laughs> you know, you see Golf Digest, and it goes like, you know, uh, secret to better drives. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. Let me look at that. I, I want to know what that secret is. Exactly. <clears throat> it's like, it's so easy to get pulled into it. But what happens is, is that we we get disconnected to what the game's about, which is send this out there, and and as our good friend um, Ed Collins used to say, solving the puzzle. You know, we've got a you got a pitch, you've got some slope, you've got all this stuff going on. Maybe you've got some some precipitation, and so you got to factor this stuff in. But if you're thinking about about having a certain hinge in your wrist or how you're going to allow your hips to turn, mm-hmm. you're not going to be tuned into what's going on out there. And you're going to miss it. And, you, and your body won't do that thing. Again, This is, I love that phrase. It's a, Ed Collins has used it. Um, Adam Young used it. Your body self-organizes. And it does this thing that usually works out not always perfectly, but good enough so rather than all this thinking about how do I do this thing right, which is internalized thinking and just it just disconnects us from what's out there. And it also disconnects us from our natural abilities. I, I agree. And I, listen, I, you know, I'm as guilty of it, you know, maybe a little less so than I used to be. But, you know, every once in a while when I'm uh, getting ready to hit, I'm like, I'll catch myself. I'm like, am I even looking up? Yes. You know, what I mean, like, you know, I'll, I'll go stand behind the ball and then um, I'll be like, okay, here's my plan for the shot. And that's another thing. You know, don't be afraid to, you know, like I said to you earlier in the show, like your brain wants a plan. And if you don't give it one, it's like, all right, <laughs> here comes some chaos. But, exactly. But I'll be over the ball sometimes and I'll realize, oh, I haven't really looked up again. And then I'll stop myself because, you know, like that, that shot that I pull hooked off the golf course you know, it was a classic case of I just didn't think it all the way through. It was a hard left to right wind to a left pin. With, yeah. and, and I had five, 50 feet 
40 yards of green to the right of that flag. Yep. But, what, but what showed up was my thinking was, okay, left or right wind, I'll hit it at the flag, and that will take the, the it will, then it will go to the right somehow. But the problem was I just didn't leave enough leeway for the hot pull. It was a super hot pull that showed up. But I can tell you I pull hooked that, eight iron, because somewhere in my body, I knew that wasn't, and this is your bailiwick. I knew that wasn't the right thing to do, and I stalled. And and from a technical point, when you stall your body, certainly at the at the speed I'm swinging it, then your arms take over. And when I hit that shot, I knew it was it was not only over the stone wall; it was over the driveway. You know, it was just I hit an eight iron. Honestly, Tim, I must have hit it 165 yards. Hundred, it was ridiculous. Yeah. And then I had to, of course, re tee. Because I've now, you know, had a penalty shot. First penalty shot. I was very proud of this. My very first penalty shot in a round of golf in a very long time. So on my second drive on that hole, I did what I was, what I should have done, which is aim it at, even though the wind was blowing left to right, I aimed at the right edge of the green, hit my draw. Now I'm 30 feet. I'm in the middle of the green, two putted and and I moved on. My point is that was a, a mistake of strategy. Um, dialing up and, and I and I was just not fully present yeah and, and and those are the moments in golf where we make you know we can make mistakes I could have gotten away with it I might have you know I could have made a swing and blocked it but my body knew that I was I was in I was aiming too close to the edge of where trouble could come and so that shot pick that shot showed up yeah, I want to make a. <clears throat> I think this there's a, a, a connection here. So, um, so Fred Shoemaker um, has a, a great saying that just makes so much sense to me, and it is this: the body never does a stupid thing. Yeah, like when we can hit a really bad shot, usually what's happening is the body is trying to compensate for something going on there, and. S- so the perfect example is um, is the putting yips, and so people have so the putting yips is usually you know people just can't figure out why they've got some kind of spasmodic lurch or twitch or <laughs> this last minute hitch or something that goes on, and what Fred the way he explains it is that most people who suffer from the yips and yes we can have that. Um, Oh, it's like dystonia. It, it's a it's a real medical condition. But the majority of people who suffer from the chip and putting yips, they don't take the club far enough back. So if they've got a say a a thirty foot putt, they only take the putter back far That's enough right. for about a about a fifteen or twenty footer. Right. So the body goes well, um, you know, totally unconsciously. <laughs> he hasn't generated enough power here, so we got to add something. So it gives it this little twitch and people don't understand what's happening so in a very weird way fred says that this shows how brilliant the body is the body is trying to compensate for something but we're not here's the point we're not conscious so you so in a way you weren't conscious of of how you'd set yourself up for not in in, in a way that gave you some leeway so maybe your arms tried yep. to save the shot and hit it left yeah absolutely so, so it's it's being conscious and and that's just such an interesting concept again about how we learn from our own experience 
And see, most of the time when people have the yips or they're just hitting shots off the planet, they're looking outside of themselves for some solution. Oh, I must not be clearing my hips or all that good stuff. And um, so the invitation is, is to, yeah, be more mindful of like, oh, how are you setting up? What are you aimed at? And for putting, you know, what are you doing? You know, how far do you take your stroke? That kind of thing. And experiment, people. That's experiment with ball position, with alignment, with with the length of your stroke, the speed of your stroke. And you can learn so much, again, from your own experience. Well, I think we've all had a a wonderful learning experience today. Uh, Tim O'Connor can be uh, hired. He's a hired gun. (laughs) O'ConnorGolf.ca. And, of course, you can... Uh, by the way, if you're Humble and Fred fans, uh, we're, I'm going to be off. I'm going to a cottage again next week, our, our swing thoughts. Uh, so the Humble and Fred show is off, but we have uh, a week of great uh, best of stuff lined up. We're calling it Humble and Fred Legends, and you'll be able to hear a bunch of the uh, you know famous and semi-famous people we've had on the show. Uh, swing thoughts will return in a couple weeks. Um, HumbleandFredRadio.com. I want to mention, of course, Jonathan Wong. Timmy's looking great in some... Uh, yeah, fairway and green attire. Jonathan Wong Apparel uh, Inc. dot com. Of course, uh, visit TaylorMadeGolf.ca uh, to learn more. There's uh, new milled uh, grinded uh, wedges coming out. The new seven nineties are coming out. I played with somebody recently. I can't remember if I told you this. He had the uh, oh, it was my buddy Rudra. Rudra has got the seven uh, nineties, but the black ones. Like oh, the dark. Oh sweet. my god! <laughs> They're really, honestly, it's all you can do not to dry hump them. They're so beautiful. <laughs> Bet you didn't think you'd hear that on a podcast. Uh, yeah, I want to dry hump your irons or smelling your own arsehole. No, yeah, it's funny because uh, a bunch of the nerds that follow me on uh, Twitter, one of them is a really good player. <laughs> and, uh, he's a guy. Um, we should have him in the show. He played. Uh, he played. He played pro golf. You know, sort of satellite tours and such. He used to play with Mike Gligic, who's on oh, the PGA gosh. tour now. Yeah, I just got to get to. I got to get this response because it was funny. Because his name is Eric Ross, and he plays at uh, Burlington. Oh, I know, I know Eric Ross. Yeah, Eric's a buddy of mine, and he's like. I, a, saw, I followed him in the uh, early bird. Uh Last year, he's playing with Fitz. And, yeah, yeah. And, oh, by the way, Fitzy's in, I think, uh, top five at the, the Ontario, Ontario Am. Yeah. No, yeah, at the Ontario right. Am this week, not the mid-am. Yeah, Ontario Am, yeah, yeah. So, um, Eric uh, sends me a note I, after I put out, you know, uh, you know, golf is like blackjack. And he says, uh, but what if you study swing strategy and spirituality, Guru Howard? What happens then? <laughs> I wrote him back. Well, then you will walk tall like the greats with a jaunty stride and a perma bone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just I can be as brief as I can here. What I would love to to uh, converse about in a couple of weeks is uh, the whole thing around speed of play. I had a uh, I had a client this week. Just he told me how he just teed off on his pro about the whole thing about playing fast and he just thinks that um it's kind of gotten out of hand in terms of all this emphasis on gotta play the front nine in two hours and this and two and he said you know what it it, it kind of connects back to what you've said often is that when it's your turn take your turn and how there's 
uh, people just feel so self-conscious about taking, you know, taking another look. It doesn't. So anyways, I think it'd be fun to talk about. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. I mean, most people, you know, they, you know, they get to their, it's, what do they do? They, they get to their ball slow and they're fast around the ball. Whereas good players get to the ball fast and are slow around the ball. Uh, all right. Good job, sir. Always a pleasure, everyone. Thanks very much to uh, everyone that has uh, downloaded the show and continues to do it. Uh, a couple weeks from now, uh, I don't know. But we have uh, Charlie Fitz coming up in a month or so. Uh, early in September, he's coming back. We're going to talk about something called NeuroPeak uh, Performance, uh, a little thing I went through with him. And, and, and it's all about how your breathing can yeah. affect the rest of your game and your life. Thank you, Coach Tim. Until next time, everyone. A man is blowing Dixie, double fall time. You feel all right when you hear the news.